Okay, welcome everybody to the Geeks and Suits podcast. I'm Chase Gerber as always, and I'm here again with my brother Ben. Benny, what's going on? Hey. Hey. Hey, um, just in, just enjoying the uh, October baseball. Yeah, haven't said that in a really just, long uh, time. Yeah, de- definitely. I'm, I'm not a frequent, neither of us are really frequent baseball watchers, but uh it's been fun watching the tribe in the playoffs. We didn't we didn't clinch the pennant today, but um, three one's not so bad either. Yeah, not so bad. Uh, we got game Can't five. Um, I I'm still iffy about choosing to to pitch Kluber on only three days rest. But what do I know about baseball? So, uh, I mean, it was I think it was worth a shot. We'll have him for game seven if it really comes to that. But I mean, it's I think it's unlikely. I mean, I know we're I would agree. kind of okay. stretched thin with our with our bullpen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's not give our expert analysis on baseball because we both know nothing about baseball. Let's because we definitely uh, don't have in. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's dive into to why we're really podcasting here. We're going to be talking a lot of TV today, um, and the main one since the last time that uh, we podcast, you finally sat down and watched Stranger Things. Yes, I totally fulfilled everything you had wanted me to do. So you're welcome. Yes, uh, and you're welcome also. Or really, re- yeah, really, I should be thanking you because, um, man, that was a fun eight hours. Oh, I know. Really fun eight hours. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was just a lot of. Um, just a lot of fun and and highly addictive. Right. Rayleigh and I sat down and I mean we watched it within like a week. Right. So Stranger Things, you know, it's it's eight episode and I think it one of the reasons it's taken off so much is just how nostalgic it is being that, you know, classic eighties movie. Um I keep saying it's like they took so many different eighties movies and just kinda mashed them together into this awesome eight-hour story. And, uh, I mean, the results have been nothing short of fantastic. Yeah. Um, I feel like the TV and movie industry, just nostalgia is such a major tool for them in this day and age now. Um, and, and this was no different. The, the, the difference was the way they used nostalgia. It wasn't um, copying, you know... An, an entire movie you're copying and an entire like story or something they just kept picking different pieces from all of these classic you know et goonies indiana jones star wars alien stand by me um even like all the right moves it, it just like the list goes on and on and i don't think anyone could just sit down and name them all honestly because it's it's just astounding how many callbacks there are to those kinds of movies in, in that era, just in general. Just in, in the scenery and, and the lack or, or different kind of technology that they use at the time. It was just, yeah, it was one big nostalgia trip, but it wasn't, it wasn't based off one or two things. They just, they, they picked their pieces and elements from those, those stories and movies really well, I thought. And I think that's why it's not... You don't hear people going, oh, well, it just copycatted, you know, this old story or this old movie or something. Right. Um, I've 
kind of been trying, you know, racking my brains trying to find the the perfect uh, combination of '80s movies that fully, you know, transcends what Stranger Thing is. Uh, the best I've come up in, with in my mind has been um, E.T. plus Goonies plus Alien plus a little bit of Star Wars and then um, plus like like either like Poltergeist or like Twilight Zone, kind of that supernatural type feeling. Yeah. Um, is there any others? There's, there, there's definitely there's definitely like the, the horror element to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that you have to keep in mind. Absolutely. And I think, right. um, you know, to go along with that, one of the, just the things that, as it did as just a TV show, other than the fact that it was nostalgic and, you know, uh, so many callbacks to the 80s, the thing that, you know, really sticks with me um, is just the way that every, you know, kind of main character felt so balanced throughout the season. Um, it it felt like you know between, um, between Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, and then Nancy, Jonathan, the kids, yeah, and then Joyce and Hopper. Between those seven characters, who are, you know are the the main seven throughout the season, it didn't feel like any one of those overpowered the other throughout all eight episodes, which I think is really refreshing when we have you know and I, I we we both love game of thrones to death um i'd say it's probably both of our favorite tv shows but the one thing game of thrones really struggles with is balancing time between all their characters and so this was really refreshing because it didn't feel like any one dominated no it um it was all really well balanced i mean i think game of thrones more than um, most other TV shows still does that balancing act well because, I mean, you see year after year, they never get nominated for, like, uh, lead actor Emmy nominations or actresses because they all just, they all kind of, like, take a back seat and it's all, it's never one person's story. And, I mean, I think Stranger Things in the same way is. But there's so many, I think, moments where it could become just one character's story, I think is what you're getting at, right? Yeah, uh, especially, yeah. you know, with L, who's kind of, if there's any polarizing figure throughout the series, it would be Eleven. Um, right, but no, it, it never it never elevates anyone beyond or, or below each other. And I thought, the, the, I thought the coolest use of the cast and the ensemble was through, like, the first, I'd say, like, six episodes, you were learning about the world or the the upside down world and what's what exactly is going on through three or four of these groups of characters and it was like really rewarding in those last two episodes to watch them like finally like collectively share everything like they know where they've like figured out it was like finally it was it was a real um nice sense of relief the way that uh all the characters like got together them I really liked that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just sort of the way that, you, you know, they took, they took you know, those, I think it's those eight total characters, and it, it was kind of a way that they all kind of, they all had some connection to this disappearance of Will, um, who disappears in the first episode. 
and they all kind of go about their own way of exploring it. And like you said, once they come together, They're figuring those, it out. Yeah. Yeah. And once they come together in that those final, you know, two two episodes, episode and a half, um, it it was nice to you know see that collaboration. Um, at, you know, after yeah. kind of being separated through so much and i do have to say it was um, it was maybe too perfect and a a little like like 80s cheesy but it fit with the narrative and it fit with what they were like presenting in the tv show right and like you know it's not like yeah obviously obviously they ended up working together but it's not like they all were like then in the last episode you know they kind of split up and they all kind of do their own separate thing um Mm -hmm. so it's it's not like they're overly together um, you know, other outside of just the story too, the acting performances by everyone just seemed, you know, I, I yeah, I'm not exactly, you know, like the they all person to right, um, I, you know, and I'm not one to to be expertly judging acting skills, but all the child actors were, you know, perfectly nerdy in their roles. Um, I think Millie Bobby Brown. As eleven, um, you know, like I said, don't don't use my judgment of acting uh, too too seriously. But you know, I would give her an Emmy nom personally. I thought she had the best performance of anyone in the season. Um, I think I'd probably give that to Minota Ryder if we're going to if we're going to hand out noms. Um, I, I mean, I I agree that Millie Bobby Brown was amazing. I don't know. I mean, besides looking um, sad or angry or confused, I mean, I know she, what she did, what she wor- had to work with, she, she did really well, but I thought Winona Ryder had so much more to handle being a, a distraught mother um, throughout all eight episodes. I thought she definitely had the most to, like, work with, and I think she she knocked it out of the park. She was She was unbelievable. I mean, people are talking, like, this is kind of, like, her second like life as an actress, like her uh, revival period for her. I thought she was really incredible. I would agree. Uh, and like I said, I, I thought, uh, like you said, everyone brought yeah. it this season. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, add those kids to the list of, um, you know, people I'd like to have as little siblings along with Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> those guys are freaking awesome. Oh yeah. Um, especially if you, uh, if you go follow them on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, they are just hilarious. Um, I would love to know all of them in real life. Oh yeah. They're, they, they seem like the coolest. I immediately, immediately like started watching like all their interviews as soon as I was done watching the season. Right. I, I do want to bring up another point though, uh, about the season in general, which is one of the reasons that I think it was so refreshing and so rewarding is that um, it's it's that it felt like every single scene or you know everything that you saw on the screen, every single scene ended up having significance and importance. And I know that kind of sounds weird because you'd think, well, duh, if it's on the screen, shouldn't it you know be contributing in some way? But for instance, go watch like an episode of Mr. Robot in season two, and I guarantee you'll find one or two scenes throughout the episode where where you'll you'll kind of scratch your head and be like, okay, like that was a cool scene, but what exactly is that contributing? You like you know what yeah. I mean? Like it felt like every yeah. every single scene with every character 
was, you know, so perfectly placed and contributed to where their characters were going throughout the season. So at the end, it didn't feel like, um, I guess, I guess to put it in, you know, a, a little better way, it's not like they were setting up for a second season at any point during this first season until everything else had been resolved. And then we, you know, we got a few cliffhangers at the end. But other than that, this first season was focused on the story it was trying to tell and not anything more ahead. I agree. And that actually is one of the more, I think, subtle um, nods to to 80s films because it reminded me a lot of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, actually. Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the least, like, exposition-y, movies I think I've ever watched and I mean if you go back and watch it, it really doesn't waste any any time giving people's backstories or um, just it, it, just a very efficient movie story-wise and I felt that way about Stranger Things too like every scene um, I don't want to say was important but like like helped you um, understand you always understood why every scene was important or how it was contributing to to the bigger story, or um, it, it just and it just made you interested in the world that that they were creating. They they were really efficient at world building too, and helping you understand. You know, this is a place out in the middle of Indiana that doesn't um, really have any weird occurrences like this ever happen. I mean, that was that was like easily a given. The first you know, fifteen minutes into the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good at it was just good at messaging those those little things that way you didn't have to have them I don't know just like thrown at you on the screen right you know it, and honestly it felt like a place where like we grew up where you can bike to your yeah. friends you, can, you bike to your friends' houses you could bike to school if you really want to you know it's... that was that was one of the elements that like I as like when I was a kid identified with I was like oh yeah I'm just like biking to to where I'm going right. Right, and, you know, I felt like, too, like, I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons growing up, but I do feel like if I was a child during the 80s, that's something I would have totally been into as a middle schooler, you know? And if we would have had different parents that would have allowed us to do that. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have been allowed to do that. Hey, you don't know that for sure. Also, um... Shout out to Mom and Pops. Yeah, shout out to Mom and Pops. Also, just a few other, you know, kind of tidbits from the season that I want to throw out um, that, I I don't know, in my mind, it just shows that the Duffer brothers, who are the showrunners of Stranger Things, just kind of get it. And the first one I want to point out is when, when Elle is just kind of sitting in Mike's house and we see that she's levitating the Millennium Falcon off the ground. <laughs> because we know as kids, we always, if we would have had that ability to make the our toy Millennium Falcon fly, that would have been the coolest thing ever. I love that I shout out. I wouldn't have gone to school. I would have done that all day long. I, would, I wouldn't have gone to school or anything. Like I would. It's a good thing I didn't, or else I, I wouldn't have gotten anything done in my life. Right. Yeah. And then uh, that, and then I, I do have to point out the uh, the Steve Harrington in the last episode, the little bl- the little bat twirl before he goes head to head with the Demogorgon. <laughs> that has to be a top five moment for the season. That that was awesome. That I loved that character actually. By the end, 
I I thought he was kind of like the typical douchey. He he reminded me of Tom Cruise in all the right moves. That's like him and um, <laughs> that's a good comparison. Him and that girl's dynamic. Like that's that's what that reminded me of. And then like the turn he had at the end where he like beats the crap out of the alien with that bat. That was I've I loved Steve by the end. It was awesome to like not see him just become like that typical like jockey douche in high school and like I thought he's standing there in the doorway as he like comes into the house during that last episode. I thought for sure he was gonna get like eaten or his head like ripped off or something. I thought that was I thought that was a nice way to like handle his character. And he seems like really important actually. Well right and you know speaking of I love Steve that too yeah, I, I really like Steve's character, and I really ended up liking Nancy's character. And I'd say one of the things, um, after I watched the first episode, I was expecting myself to hate kind of that dynamic with, you know, the girl next door dating the douche for some reason that no one really knows why. And oh. somehow they turned the 80s teenage virginity story into something that I actually really liked in developing those characters. And dude, uh, dude, like I said, me, it just contributed so well. Let, let me tell you something. I've, I have a horrible, horrible time watching shows or movies that involve high school drama like that. Like, oh, I know, right? I, you 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 know freaks and geeks. I I tried to watch that, and like I, it, it's not that I didn't think it was a good show, but I couldn't make it past the first episode because it because the high school drama between like a guy and a girl it was like so cringy to me, and I just like was so uncomfortable, and I can't stand that because I just it's just not something I get entertainment out of. Like I don't deny it. I mean, it had a ton of great actors in it and everything, and I'm sure it's great. I just myself could not watch things like that. So, like, the fact I enjoyed those kinds of things in this show, I think, um, it, I, I just, I couldn't believe I was just all right with it. I know, right? And like I said, especially for Nancy's character and where she ended up going, I felt like that was just the perfect bridge uh, to where the her character needed to be for the story to succeed. And also, I think it, it taught her a very valuable lesson that if you lose your virginity, your best friend is going to be taken to another dimension and killed. <laughs> so wait, were you like were you like one of these people that were like all upset over Barb dying? Like you, when the no. first, when the show first came out, the internet like got lit on fire about Barb's death apparently, and they were all pissed off about yeah, it. Yeah, I do. I do want to be clear. I am not upset about Barb's death at all. Because her no. death has a very real purpose. It's to show how uh, the Demogorgon, you know, it, it shows what attracts it. It shows, you know, it, it, yeah, it's Yeah, she was just a to storytelling us, tool. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not upset that, that Barb died at all. Uh, I have heard I, that I think the, uh, like they... I think like it was just like a character, maybe by the way she looked, maybe by the way she acted... I think a lot of, I don't know, maybe it's just nerds or just people on the internet in, de in general identified with or something. I, I don't know what the fundamental reason was for so many people liking her. Because I thought she was just kind of, I didn't care about her. Uh, she was kind of like the mom. Uh, I, I, keep, I keep, you know, seeing different posts on social media that say, don't be a Nancy, be a Barb or, or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. She seemed way too parenty 
to me. Um, and, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't get the fascination with Barb, but uh, I, I'm not really sure why so many people did end up identifying with her. But, hey, I mean, if that's... I think it's like. funny to watch to to like see how people reacted to it, but beyond that, I don't I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Also, let's talk really really quickly about the uh, the dynamic between our uh, our gang of middle schoolers. Um, yeah, I the kids <laughs> don't stand a chance. I I did love the way they they kind of played off um, the. Uh, the way that they all got mad at each other for really no reason at all. Um, I mean, that's that's kids, right? It, well, exactly, and that's why that's why you could say, okay, this ends up working because so many times you see in TV shows where like one character is just unjustifiably mad at another character for something that really doesn't matter, and when it's adults, it makes you go, okay, no one is like this close-minded about it. But with middle schoolers, that's just how they are. They get mad at each other for stuff that, you know, doesn't make sense. And let's be real. There's more give, I think, is is what you're trying to say. There's more give to young characters who don't completely understand the world or what's happening to them. I think that's that's why it seems more okay. Right. And if, you know, if there is any one gripe I would have with the season, it would be with... um, with Lucas, not just, you know, giving it up and saying, okay, guys, let's just do what Eleven says. Obviously, she knows what she's doing. She can use the Force, basically. Um, that would be, <laughs> that would be you know, that would be the one gripe I had. But like I said, it's such a minor detail, and because they are middle schoolers, you can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I. it's definitely not, like, a, a perfect show. Um, I, I think you can tell... You you can tell the it was the the way um, the episodes were constructed. It was very much for binging purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was only one time I sat down and just like watched one episode, um, and it wasn't it, it wasn't that it wasn't good. It wasn't very fulfilling. So I, I think kind of like Mr. Robot season two. It's better when you watch these in two or three episode chunks at a time mm-hmm. um, to get more out of it. But um, it was just overall from beginning to end a really fulfilling and an enjoyable show. It was just fun to watch. It, yeah. there, there really wasn't um, much to complain about. The cheesiness of the story was there, like I said before, but I mean, I think that's to come kind of with the, the territory and genre that um, you make this, this story in. But I just, it, it was just so much fun and it was just, just a blast to, um, kind of be in that world like i think the closest we've gotten to someone creating an ode to to the 80s like that was probably uh jj abrams super 8 movie and i i felt like a lot of those elements yeah i i felt like a lot of those elements um like the sense of mystery and and kids getting into trouble or um abandoning what their parents say to go on an adventure or something what was there and it was i, I like those movies a lot because it reminds me it was it was kind of like watching all those childhood pretend stories we'd play in our backyard yeah. like come to life right yeah i think that's what's always going to make it appealing for me right um as far as super eight goes admittedly i need to see it again 
my opinion is skewed because when I did see it, I was a high schooler who wanted to watch a superhero movie, and I was dragged to Super 8, so just automatically my uh, my opinion of it was, was not very good. But I do need to watch it again. Anyways, um, what at what point were you like... What moment was it when you were like, okay, I am in on this show when watching Stranger Things? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think or back. Was I there think any it was, I think it was when um, Winona Ryder's character sets up all the lights in her house. And, and I just like, I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this is crazy, but it makes sense at the same time. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I thought how like, I, I think I tried to put myself in the shoes of someone who would have just like walked into that house and seen that lady with all the lights on and everything and they're blinking and going crazy. But there, it just like seemed like a, a magical moment. There was just something mystical and um, just amazing about Winona's acting in that scene, the scenery itself, the cinematography, um, the soundtrack. I, we haven't even talked about the soundtrack and yes. how like 80s synthesizers sounds. It's, it's so amazing. I love that so much. I can't stop listening to the soundtrack now. Because it's just it's just so entertaining and and, and strange and I love it, um, but that was I think that was the moment where I was like, there's something really special about this show. Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the soundtrack, I will say I can't describe how how hard it is to get the theme song out of your head uh, that goes yeah. over the opening credits. It's been in my head for weeks, and uh, yeah, there's no end in sight. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the moment for me where I really thought, okay, I have to keep watching this show, I'm addicted, um, was the end of episode three, which I believe, or I, I, I believe it's end of episode three. It's when they discover Will's body in the, uh, in the, like, river or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking, because throughout the, that entire episode, you know, we're led to believe, yeah, Will's definitely alive. We can, like, hear, you know, they're hearing him over the phone and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the way that it's almost, like, meant for us to to kind of know that, yeah, that's not actually Will's body. But it was, it was like, just enough for me to go, okay, this has got me so far in now. I have to keep watching. And uh, then I, uh, you know... I watched the uh, fourth and fifth episode that night at like 1 a.m. and scared myself to death because um, <laughs> I, I just happened to watch the end of episode five right as 1:30 a.m. Uh, rolled around. So that was a oh boy. that was a little stressful. I took your advice and made sure not to watch five and six late at night. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are by far the uh, the two creepiest ones, at least in my opinion. Um, just because where they uh, where they leave off and begin at. Yeah, yeah. It was. I, I liked how the story addressed. You know, the show played those somber moments where it seemed like you know they found his body, they had his funeral, he was at the morgue they like played those moments as if they were s sorrowful mm -hmm. but at the same time 
all the characters we were following, they believed that, you know, Will really wasn't dead. I thought that was in, an interesting few scenes where they kind of had to balance a, a feeling of sadness, but also knowing um, that the, the the watcher of this show, whoever's watching this show, probably thinks, you know, Will isn't really dead. There's something more to this, or else the show would just end at that point. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I do have to say about Stranger Things before we move on. Um, yeah. I will always love the Duffer Brothers for including the 80s, 40-year-old version of Yanni in this as the uh, Mr. <laughs> Clark. Shout out to our boy Yanni. Yanni needs to grow a mustache like last week, dude. He dude. looks so much like him. Uh, my, dude, low-key one of my favorite parts of the show was when they called up the professor as he's trying to make a move on this girl he invited over to his house, <laughs> asking him about whatever with the pool and everything, and they just... And we didn't mention this. I love Dustin. I think Dustin oh, was Dustin's, my favorite of those kids. Dustin's fantastic. Um, he he is the no bullshit of that group. He just tells everyone likes, like, it, like it is, and I love it. Yeah. Dustin is awesome, and... And, uh, you know, speaking of the kids again, I just remembered that moment where Mike steps off that giant cliff and Elle uses her force powers to literally oh, bring yeah, him that... back up. Awesome moment. Yeah, but, um, I agree. I but, agree. yeah, so, everyone, if you haven't watched Stranger Things yet, you absolutely should. Then again, we did just, like, spoil all of it, so... Yeah, um, chances uh, still are you watch have. It. I'm 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 planning watch going back again. and watching it a second time anyway. So yeah, I I've so, actually yeah. watched it through twice already, and I watched the first episode with Hannah this weekend. Oh really? Which means I'll probably have to watch it through a third time. So that's where I'm at. So she hasn't watched it. Oh, interesting. Braylon and I just like blaze through it in a week. I mean, it's it's just so easy to say, okay, I want to watch two of these right now, and before you know it, you've yeah, you're halfway through. Yeah, I mean. For me to sum it up, I mean, I think a lot of people who know us know that we hold Game of Thrones in the highest regard. It's our favorite show. Um, this past season, mm-hmm. season six, was, in my opinion, the best season Game of Thrones has made to date. And yet, all yeah. after all of that, this season of Stranger Things still by, might be my favorite season of the television year. Wow. I... And I'm not really? saying I'm not saying it's better or anything like that. I'm saying I, if I'm measuring the most enjoyment I've had watching a season of TV this year, so I think it's Stranger Things. Most enjoyable, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Fair enough. Okay, uh, Ben. Let's move on to let's talk about Atlanta real quick. Um, okay. Yeah. Boy, Glover, I know. Baby. I, I know you've said it before. I just feel like culturally this is such an important TV show, especially for the day and age we're in right now. Yeah. Um, I, I think I tweeted about it a few weeks ago. Like, the social commentary it gives, it's it's so interesting because I think I've watched a lot of shows and movies where they try to push, you know, an agenda or, or, spe- or, or give certain messages through um, stories or happenings in a movie or something but the thing about Atlanta that I really love is 
when they when they give social commentary, when they point out these things about society that we live in, um, it, it, the, there's something about the the tone and the way they present it. It's just saying, you know, this is how it is. We're not saying it's right. We're not saying it's wrong. We're not saying we agree with it or disagree with it. We're literally, it, it's literally an observation of human behavior. And I think that's so important to just have something remain not pure, but just like untouched and uninfluenced um, by um, someone's opinion, whoever, whoever the writer is or whoever the director is. There's no um, underlying agenda to convey. Um, and I mean, you, you've said you've watched the first four episodes, right? Yeah, the uh, the last one I watched is the one where uh, Ern, Ern goes to trade his, uh, his phone in for cash at like a pawn shop and ends up trading it in for like a samurai sword and then he trades a yeah. dog and then he's gonna get like two thousand bucks in like three months or something and he's like dude i can't wait three months uh yeah that's yeah, the latest one Dar- darius darius convinces him to buy the sword and oh my gosh darius is a, is a great character mm-hmm. but like love th- that, that episode he's so strange but it's just it's it, there's just something it's so i could watch him do stuff all day long um, oh yeah, absolutely. but like that episode, that episode, and I think it's the episode before where Ern takes uh, Van on a date, and yeah. he's um, just like helter skelter throughout the whole meal, trying to make sure he's going to be able to pay for the whole thing. Like I think that's one of the the um, most consistent things that Atlanta has addressed is living not in poverty, but but being poor and just like trying to make it from day to day and, and week to week. Um, and I mean, you and I have been blessed and never had to worry about, about things like that. And like, for me, I'm not trying to sound like I'm spoiled or anything, but it's something I really wanted, I've paid attention to and, and tried to understand just that desperation and, um, just not knowing how you're going to, to figure it out from day to day. Um, I don't know, really impacted me and, and made me, um, ponder things beyond my own life and how other people how other people have it yeah i I thought it's that's just i think that's been the most impactful thing to me so far right and you know now that you say that i go back to um i go back to the the last episode i watched where um (laughs) where they they walk the dog to you know the guy that they're selling it to and he just kind of takes it and walks away and then and then darius turns around and Ern goes to him, he's mm-hmm. like, is, is he, like, going to get our money? And he's like, oh, no, man, he's going to breed it. You get half the litter. You get 2000 bucks in three months or whatever. And Ern's, yeah. ki- er- Ern's kind of like, I can't wait three months for it. I'm poor. Poor people, yeah. we can't invest money for another time. We need that money now to stay afloat. And, yeah. you know, that's something you don't really think of, Um because you know as yeah. i mean you're a financial guy i mean you know you you want to invest your money early so that later on retirement all that stuff you have plenty of money and and that sort of thing you can't do that if you don't have money and i think that's so easily overlooked in our society yeah i mean i think um it it's those kinds of social commentary moments that um, they're just stating how that is. 
they're not, there's no blame on anyone or blame on a certain kind of people or government. Um, it's just saying this is how being poor is. And I think there's something so brilliant about simply, simply stating that. Right. Um, I will say, you know, as sad as I was when Donald Glover left Community, because we both love Community to death yeah. and we left his character on there, uh, mm. you know, I'm so happy to see the success of this TV show. Um, I know it's getting a lot of critical praise and some people saying it, you know, it's one of the best shows of the year, one of the best shows on TV yeah. right now. So I'm I'm one of those people. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm very I, happy for Donald Glover in that aspect. I he's just his career's been so admirable from a sense of the guy never quits having aspirations about what he wants to do. I mean, he started he started as a writer on Thirty Rock and and won won an Emmy. I'm pretty sure for that, maybe multiple. I forget, but he's an Emmy winning writer and wasn't satisfied with just being in a writer's room. He wanted you know to be a a regular on a TV show, so he you know got casted on community um wasn't satisfied with that wanted to be a rapper and write music too and he's released multiple albums now and he's one of my favorite rappers as well um wasn't satisfied with any of that and kept pushing himself and and left a show that he had a pretty good uh situation in with community to to go create this show so it's just it's really admirable to watch the guy always want to take the next step and never staying in a place too long and getting too complacent. Um, because I think there's a lot of complacency in, in Hollywood and TV nowadays where people are just content to get checks uh, from week to week and, and make... And I'm not trying to say people's TV shows suck, but there's a lot of bad TV out there that results from... From that kind of um, now, Ben, stop, stop making fun of Big Bang Theory. That's enough. <laughs> I, I, I will say I've watched some of those shows. I think uh, How I Met Your Mother was probably oh, one perfect of those shows. example. Season yeah, nine doesn't but... get made if they don't all don't want more money. Then that's just what it is. Oh yeah, keep, keep getting them checks. Keep, keep getting, getting them checks, checks boys. But yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I totally agree with you. You know, Donald Glover. I think it's so impressive all the different as you know the different areas of media and performing and and that sort of thing that he's broken into. He even has you know stand up comedy out there that you can go watch. Yeah, it's true. He does have a stand up. Not my favorite album. It's it's kind of wacky and I he seems like he kind of got shoved into doing that. But yeah. I mean, it's I mean he's still funny in it. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing transcendent about it. Yeah. But yeah, Absolutely. he's a very talented Okay, uh, before and I we wish go. Him nothing but success. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and if you haven't watched Atlanta, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, mm -hmm. If Hopefully, I was hoping the Indians would win tonight so I could catch up on it tomorrow, but, you know, had to lose game four. <laughs> so maybe I'll push that yeah. off till Thursday. Um, okay, so real no quickly baby. before we go, let's touch on another TV show that I just keep using the word fascinating for it. Um, and that show is Westworld, which yeah. is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, I, I mean. It's kind of the, it's, it's the sci-fi heir to Game of Thrones. I, I think it's 
that next big sci-fi show to follow Thrones whenever it, you know, yeah. um, steps down for HBO. You know, as I was watching the opening credits for the first for the first episode of Westworld, as soon as I saw Jonathan Nolan's name pop up on screen, I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> my brain is going to hurt watching this. And yeah, there are there's some preconceived notions when the name Nolan is put in the <laughs> credits. Whether it's a writer, director, um, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have an interesting time. Right. I will say I'm I'm finding it a lot easier to follow for through the first three episodes than I would have anticipated being a a, a, a Nolan uh, creation. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's quite as complicated as you would have think or as you would yeah. have thought. That being said, there are a lot of characters and they're ju- just a lot of, um, I don't know, just so many, I don't know what the right So many is. things to understand. I mean, it's, it's, it's fresh. It's a very new world that um, I think... We're still trying to get a grasp on to understand the machinations and everything. Right. And so um, so I guess maybe a, a minor spoiler alert if you haven't heard of it or you haven't watched it yet. Uh, I guess Westworld, it's, it's basically, I don't want to say theme park, but it is a park um, for people who are very wealthy. Uh, it's, it's this kind of giant western slab of land where there's all these, um, I don't want to say they're robots, but they're these kind of, like, um... Androids, very realistic. Yeah, uh, very human-like, and there's all these different storylines that are kind of programmed into all of these androids, and... They call themselves the newcomers, who are the people visiting the park, and they can choose, you know, which storylines to engage in. They can go catch the outlaw. They can go, you know, to a brothel and, you know, do stuff with prostitutes and that sort of you know, stuff. You know what I heard someone describe it as? How? It's like a realistic Grand Theft Auto set in the wild, wild west. You know, that's a that's a really accurate way of putting it because. You can go catch the outlaw. You can go, you know, you can go murder the uh, the rancher's the rancher's father and everything like that, and do whatever you want to his daughter afterwards. You know, there's so many different storylines. Yeah, like, like you that. can the the first episode alone put into the this the idea that you can you can interact with the world in the way it was scripted, um, or you can you know completely go off script and just you know go on a killing spree or just mess with people and i think that's that's what's really intrigued me so far is who really because okay with the comparison to grand theft auto when you're playing video games there's still a a barrier that distinguishes in your mind the difference between what's real and and what isn't Mm -hmm. and i think it's always going to be that way for video games this is almost like breaking that barrier. And what I find hard to, to believe sometimes is the things that some of the, the actual real people have done, they, they really, even in a real-world simulation as real as this Westworld thing is, I have trouble like really thinking some of these people would do what they do. Oh, I absolutely agree. 
Um, for instance, you know, one of the opening scenes when we, we get a part of this world before we, we really know what exactly it is, it's the, you know, the rancher's daughter, you know, that whole scenario. Yeah, that, that whole first scene. Right. Yeah, I forget what his name is. Ed, is it Ed? Um, Ed Harris. Oh, shoot. Ed Harris, yeah. yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's the main person I'm talking about is, like, the level of sociopath right. is just... It's just odd because if, if someone has the, the consciousness to be doing those things in this world, there's not much of a barrier that distinguishes real life to this character, right. obviously. And it's who's to say he's not going to go and really do that to people? Right. And I, I guess just getting to my point would be, you know, <laughs> when you actually sit down and think about what Westworld, the actual place, is, it's so messed up. Because of the things oh, you yeah. can do, I mean that alone is just so bizarre. Um, yeah. Which the, the the best thing it has going for right now is a fascinating premise. Oh yeah, and believe me, that that doesn't stop. Um, yeah. And I think you even get it in the pilot too that there's some sort of I don't know if mystical is the right word, but there's some some. There's definitely some mystery surrounding, you know, just the everything of it. I mean, you kind of get yeah. the sense that there's a lot more to, the, to it than meets the eye. Um, yeah. Believe me, I don't trust Anthony Hopkins' character at all in this show <laughs> at all. That guy. I don't know if anyone has ever trusted Anthony Hopkins' character in any movie ever. Yeah, and you should uh, you should <laughs> not trust him in Westworld. I. I haven't even been given a reason not to trust him. I just don't trust him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it really does. It, it's funny we were talking about Atlanta right before this because I feel like these are both shows where they can just take this and go anywhere with it. Oh, they're, I... They're both ideas where you can just take it and just run it with it, with these characters, um, and and just have all kinds of dynamic interactions that aren't... Um, of a typical t- television show or a typical television story. Right. Um, and I I cannot wait to see where Westworld goes with this. Um, I know you've only watched the first episode, but episode two and three yeah. are are just as fascinating, if not more so. I I, I mean I can't mm-hmm. I can't describe en- enough to you just how intriguing the whole premise is, and you know I just cannot wait to see. Right. Uh, what Jonathan Nolan has had in store with this, um, so. But yeah, I'd uh, I'd recommend. I don't think it. you can ever wait to know what a Nolan brother has in store for you. Right. Let's well, be honest. I don't know if you've ever been able to contain yourself for a Nolan movie or a Nolan TV show or right. a Nolan well, story. Well, and let's I be honest. It. This is kind of something that we've never experienced before. Is a Nolan TV show? You know, they've always made yeah. movies. We've never seen what they can do on this grand of a scale. So. Uh, <laughs> it uh, it is yet to behold, but I mean, hey, if if you like Game of Thrones, I think you'll definitely like this. Um, you know, j- yeah, you know, if you love hey. these giant grand worlds with all these different characters, this is definitely a show I think you'd like. So, Im- impromptu question yes. based off of just talking about the Nolan brothers. Do you think Christopher Nolan would ever move into television? Show running um, or directing. I would love to see what it's like, and what he what he would do with that. I don't know if he ever would. 
just because would he ever would he ever have enough episodes and seasons to explain everything so everything makes sense Eesh, that's a tall order <laughs> that that is a really tall order i've i've asked honestly been asking that exact question about westworld does is there enough episodes for jonathan nolan to to answer every question when eventually this thing does come to an end i have no idea it it kind of reminds me of um of jj abrams in in the way he approaches storytelling in the mystery box concept yeah he's he's very good at creating uh, who he jj abrams is also involved in this project yeah um he's always been so good at creating um, something that just makes you go, what, what in the world is going on? And, and making you ask questions. And that's always his strongest suit. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, um, I, I don't think he's always followed through with a satisfying answer mm-hmm. or conclusion to some of those things. So I, I don't think they're cut from the same cloth, the Nolan brothers and Abrams, but they definitely, um, create the same sense of, of wonder and mystery sometimes. Right, um, and I will say about the Nolan brothers, I of the mo- of their movies, I really haven't seen one with an ending that I didn't that I hated, I should say, um, or didn't like. Like, oh, they've seemed to close the loop on everything and answer all the questions pretty well. If you know they were trying to, um. You know, in, Inception doesn't. Yeah. Inception doesn't really give us a clear answer at the end, but it's not really supposed that's, to. Well, well, that's the, that. That's the key. Is sometimes the they they don't want to give you an answer. That's not the point right. of the story or the the movie that they're presenting. Yeah, and you are absolutely correct on that. Um, but yeah, so um, I guess that basically wraps up our conversation. Um, you know, I. Ben, I kind of wish we would have gotten on here and talked about the Kanye concert <laughs> at some point oh. uh, with Yanni. We, we, we need to get uh, Yanni on the phone, too. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Yeah, we, yeah. Need, to, we need to gather our thoughts and, and see if we can talk about that in a, in a 40-minute, you know, coherent conversation. <laughs> Well, and at the same time too, we have to f- we have to squeeze the Kanye concert and the new Rogue One trailer into one awesome that's experience. True. So we definitely have material. We there, should talk so about that's, that. Uh, that's something we should look into in the future. Yeah, maybe we'll try that sometime yeah, soon. Maybe we will. But anyways, thank you everyone who listened. Ben, thank you for joining me and talking about these wonderful TV shows. TV is at a great point right now. There's just so many good shows on. It's it's a gift and a curse. There's it always is. something to watch, but you can never watch it all. Yeah, it uh, it really, it does make me sad at times, but uh, I'm just glad I have so many options to choose from. Um, That's right. So, anyways, I'm sure we'll talk about Atlanta and Westworld more. Uh, you know, as they uh, wrap up their seasons, we'll probably do a little recap on those. Um, and you know, once we get some more details about Stranger Things season two, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about that in the future. But uh, for now, Ben, thanks again for joining me, and uh, I will see you this weekend. Whoop whoop. whoop, whoop. See you, buddy. Yep, see you.